this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to another edition of the in focus podcast i am your host g sampat chess has a new world champion 30 year old ding liren from china he defeated russia's world number 2 ian nepomniachtchi to become only the 17th player in chess history to wear this crown he is the first ever chinese and the first asian since vishwanathan anand to achieve this this year's world title championship match took place under the looming absence of defending champion magnus carlsen who refused to defend his title citing a lack of motivation interestingly enough speaking to the media after his victory liren remarked for me it's not so important to, be- to become world champion i always wanted to become the best player in the world now will liren who wears the mantle of the male world champion be accepted as the best player in the world will carlsen ever come back to pit himself against a new world champion and what does it mean for the chess world to have its latest world champion from asia and from china in particular we explore all these questions and also the championship duel between liren and nepomniachtchi in this episode of the in focus podcast and we have with us rakesh rao deputy editor sports at the hindu rakesh good to have you back thank you so much uh, sampath it's wonderful to be part of it so i'm just looking forward to the kind of questions which you're going to bombard me with <laughs> great great i'm looking forward to your answers too so to start with so perhaps because of covid and the lockdown uh, which had curtailed international travel for uh, chinese athletes uh, not just chess players we haven't had a lot learned a lot about ding liren in recent times he's not been on the radar of many uh, who follow chess casually so could you share for the benefit of our listeners a little bit about his background and take us through how he ended up playing nepomniachtchi for the world title and i understand there was an element of luck involved with one of the contenders pulling out or getting suspended and so on all right so let's start from the let's start from the beginning uh who is this boy i mean i because i remember seeing him as a youngster as a as a young kid on the block uh so ding liren well for starters he started playing chess at a very young age like most of the kids do in china of course i mean you know and his uh, mother was is a nurse father is an engineer and uh, comes from a very simple modest sort of a you know background his upbringing is pretty sound and this boy like any other kid uh, you know just took up chess uh, you know initially of course he liked football basketball and uh, you know he used to follow teams like bayern munich and juventus and all that like any other kid and then you know his parents thought that look you know this kid needs to get into something more serious so they said okay why don't you start with uh, you know with this game so with other kids he was put into this academy he started learning a bit of chess and at the same time you know they also wanted him to and i mean after after a few years that they said look chess is all all okay because you have been doing very well in all the age group tournaments but at the same time you need to study study and study well so he took up law so he he has a degree in law and he's a very normal sort of a player i mean in the sense a very because you know why i'm saying normal i'm saying that very consciously here because a lot of chess players have a very different kind of day to day life now ding liren leads a very normal life he 
he he listens to music he reads books and this is every day this is his average day where he sleeps for about 8 hours a day listens to chinese folk music english music i mean english songs western songs and he studies chess now and of course he is very humble as we all know and and again this is a virtue in this world of chess because if you look at chess history you said 17 champions so far out of which at least 10 to 12 champions you will find that they are not known for their humility or you know they are known to carry a certain amount of attitude uh, of course on a lot of these ex champions that attitude suited them uh, but at the same time now it's good to have a champion who is not uh, you know like in the face like a lot of champions if you see in the past be it bobby fischer kasparov and to an extent uh, magnus but again i'm not trying to put magnus in that category of people who are arrogant magnus has been pretty much professional he's been very sweet to a lot of people but he he speaks his mind and uh, he knows that he's the best so ding liren becomes as a very very different sort of a champion more like a vishwanathan anand kind of a mode where he's humble he's he's soft spoken uh, he knows his stuff and uh, of course um, this particular win should give him a lot of respect now you you wanted to know how he actually like made it now that's a very interesting story again but again allow me to just connect it to what happened uh, way back in 1970 we all have heard of one champion going by the name of bobby fisher now bobby fisher in 1970 uh, was not part of the interzonal which is part of the world championship cycle but then there was another player by the name of pal benko now pal benko decided to give up his spot to a young upcoming champion and uh, that's how this boy you know who went on to make chess history got his opportunity to play in the world championship and then of course he never looked back he never trailed he he went on to play that interzonal and he won the title with a with a margin of 3 and a half points now that is considered too huge it is like you know you're winning uh, winning by say if you are playing a 2020 game it's like you are winning by 100 runs it's like that kind of a you know like margin the difference between first and second then in the case of dengleren it was almost like that it was like he was not supposed to be there number one but things just happened one after the other i mean it is quite strange to find uh, things happening because i think it was just destined that dengleren should be the new champion because of covid restrictions there was a time when he couldn't play enough so that means he didn't have enough rating points to be there to be among the among that you know that that field of eight because he should have because he had qualified yes but he didn't have ample rating points so first of all what he had to do to play the candidates he had to play with his teammates uh because the chinese government hadn't allowed people to travel so ding had to play within china and he got enough rating points to qualify for that but that didn't mean that he could actually you know like make it in the meantime what happened there you know magnus carlsen the world champion for the last 10 years decided he will not defend his title and the guy who was second best who was supposed to take that spot was a rush his name is uh, sagi karyaken now karyaken was banned because of his conduct he said something which he shouldn't have and of course and then a lot of things happened then he was banned so when he was not there then it came to the i mean 
it was it was actually like uh, it was planned that okay anybody who comes second will get an opportunity so nepomishi won the tournament tengleren came second and then now that spot you know it is again interesting that when he came second in the last round of the tournament he was playing against another uh, the tough guy by the name of hikaru hikaru nakamura now that match had it ended in a draw dengleren could have been out but it so happened in that completely drawn position dengleren had his chances he took some chances and he actually won that game so by virtue of winning that last game he became second and by becoming second he got this opportunity to play in this match so that is you know i mean it's so dramatic as dramatic as it could get because i think destiny had its script ready it's like so many things had to happen for dingleren to be there it wasn't as straightforward as it looks but then of course now we have a new world champion from a country which has produced a lot of world champions in the past but he's the first male world classical chess champion right i mean that's a very dramatic story rakesh as you said here as you were just pointing out he had to win that last match in the candidates tournament uh, against nakamura now we saw the entire uh, sequence of matches in the championship game between nipom nyachi and uh, ding liren and you are someone who has covered several world championship matches over the decades so how would you compare the recent match uh, between liren and nipom nyachi with all the others uh, we have seen before in recent times many of them of course obviously featuring uh, magnus carls and how would you compare them in terms of strategies playing styles Uh, the quality of the chess you which is on display because now we 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 keep reading that everybody is using this chess engines and algorithms to prepare so a lot of these games tend to become predictable and boring and many about 75 to 80% of them end in draws so uh, so how how did you find uh, the latest matchup for the world title uh, sampath uh, see this particular world title had you know i mean world championship i mean this particular clash if you look at it I think the expectations were low when it all started people said oh my god two players they are of course world number 2 and 3 but they are not the best in the world so a lot of people lost interest so this lack of interest or drop in interest meant that the expectations were low but the way it all you know unfolded right from game number 2 we started seeing results now six results out of 14 is is a pretty high percentage and it could have been much more because the way ding defended a few positions they were like i mean superlative stuff on the board his defensive skills came to the fore but overall if you ask me in terms of quality well i think i've seen uh, a couple of uh, more uh, you know world championship clashes where i think in terms of quality they were they were at a different level but then if in terms of excitement i think this should rate as among the best that we have had uh, you know if if we were to pick four or five in my book they'll definitely be up there just because the kind of interest that it slowly generated as i said at the start it wasn't so but once we started seeing how decisive games were coming you know one after the other it's like one guy takes the lead the other guy just comes and you know equalizes and this happened three times nepo took the lead three times dengleren equalized three times now that is something very exciting and again the best part i think probably was the drama around the 12th game at that time nepo was leading 6-5 he reached a position where he was completely winning now that would have meant that he would have actually taken a two point lead but that didn't happen 
you know it it was it was just that somehow nepo imploded and that is i think for me the moment of this entire uh, entire clash out of these 18 games if you ask me that 12 games should have been nepo's and nepo should have just taken it he would have been up 7 to 5 and then he would have needed just a draw in the in the remaining two games but uh, that was like not to be but in terms of drama yes it was it was exciting in terms of quality of chess and clash of styles i would say that it was kind of reverse you know because nepo is 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 actually known to take a lot of risks and uh, he plays in a very flamboyant style now here what we saw was after a point it was ding who who not only defended but you know i mean he surprised most of the analysts by by taking certain positions or you know lines which he opted for they were pretty sharp and i think that in turn surprised you know like nipo the most the world which was watching of course they were equally equally you know like astonished rakesh sorry to interrupt so what do you think finally separated the the two players i think it was the tenacity it was yeah it for me it was the tenacity of ding you know because you have to give it to him because there were a lot of positions where even you know his opponent nipo thought that ding had no clue as to what it was nipo managed to drive him out of his prepared lines but the way ding thought over the board he could find the right defenses and he hung in there i mean it was like he was he was really almost blown away but you give credit to him he just hung in there he just maintained that look i still had a chance i'm not lost till i'm lost so i think his tenacity was for the world to see and his defensive skills it just came to the fore when he actually needed it and of course if you just go to the last game that is a fourth game of the rapid uh, thing it was like imagine he had always trailed it up until that 17 games were over he was he trailed three times he equalized three times never led then comes the 18th game the fourth game of the tie break and there also like he wasn't in a great position nobody said that uh, ding had any any kind of chances of winning it but that one move that he made you know when he pushed that rook to a square right opposite at right in the same you know like line as his uh, king the chess world just you know i mean they had to just sit up and watch i mean what what is he trying to do everybody thought that he would play a defensive line try to just hold on but he went he tried to win it now the day you give credit to a guy who's been trailing right through 17 games 24 days he has only trailed and he suddenly tries to take the lead and and the and the moment he leads he wins the tournament uh, so, sorry to interrupt again rakesh just, just we are having short on time sorry so you spoke about his uh, his tenacity his defensive skills ability to come back uh, from difficult position no and you also spoke about the drama uh, unfolding between the two players and and on this question i wanted to just just have your thoughts i mean there were quite a few uh, off the table kind of events when his uh, lirens preparation was leaked online uh, i'm sure that must have been quite a setback because i mean uh, nepomniachi also admitted that his seconds uh, checked them out and you know they took note of his preparation that is number one number two he changed his uh, hotel room for some reason with and then at a press conference he, he sort of gave some weird kinds of uh, remarks he said i'm depressed something wrong with my mind and all that what do you make of all these things kind of a thing sampat see to me it was like ding is a human being he's a, he's like any other human being 
unlike most of these uh, players who who look like robbers who who you know looks like so tuned to a certain you know like level of proficiency here he was looking looking beatable he looked like a human who was low was freely feeling low vulnerable to the core but give credit to him for actually admitting it in public that is a reflection of a man he was not trying to fake it he was not trying to fool his opponent by saying that look i am depressed and this that is the way he is so people who know him they knew that he was telling the truth now from there to come out and win it because because you have to give credit to him as i had already m- m- mentioned that he went through a lot and then he just hung in there he had he just believed that he could do it and he just hung in there and that is one of the reasons because this is i think out of those 17 world champions he is the only one to have cried after after he made sure that he won it after nipo resigned and walked away this guy was seen holding his head and and shed a few tears now that is what makes this champion so different he he went through a lot you can't really i mean and, and then if he sobbed in the end you can't really hold it against him because that's the way he is that's stringler in for you right i mean that's a very important uh, point interesting point you're making like because we have generally we tend to associate not generally world champions but chess champions in particular with this entire uh, facade of toughness and bravado and really some as you said attitude and arrogance but here we have a champion who sort of gives off uh, a sense of vulnerability about him that makes him a very different kind of a, a champion to have yeah and and moving on to a slightly different tack on this entire uh, discussion rakesh we know for example i mean ding ding liren is from china and we know that china has dominated women's chess for a long time i mean uh, and there does seem to be a lot of depth in chinese chess uh, because this year's women's t- title match is i mean apparently between two chinese uh, players as well two chinese women yeah sure yeah so is there is there a, something like a chinese school of chess as it were like the soviets had a soviet school i mean is their approach very different uh, from the chess engineered style that the rest of the world seems to follow like what do we know really about chess and china and chinese style if there is one not really i mean because nowadays there there's actually no such thing as a soviet school of chess of course there was one because these days everything is available i mean whatever that you can possibly think of it's all available i mean if if you come and see like i mean a person like me the kind of software that i have that is what is being used by some of the best things so we are talking about you know the accessibility chess base offers you you know there is something called you know like mega database so once you have that you know that all the games played from the previous century you you have access to all those games and the engines of course are becoming better and better but database is available to i think one and all now the kind of stuff that they use be it in russia or china in india the players and the coaches whosoever there is very little to choose because the training methods now have become very different previously youngsters would move the pieces with their hands these days they move it with the help of a uh, you know like a touchpad or a mouse or a key you know something like that so it is like the chess the way it is being taught and being perceived that has changed a lot so nowadays we don't talk in terms of the soviet school or the chinese school or the or any other style because basically the information is available to everyone it says that how much time you're going to spend on it how much talent you have and how quickly you absorb whatever is offered to you so uh, that is one but then talking about the chinese thing yes 
their training methods in the sense the way they train together in a group i think that is what makes them so different because they don't travel outside so much so when they prepare for the big events they all come under one training group and they all work together like if you look at the chinese uh, you know like ladies of course we know that they have won the chinese i mean i mean you know the olympiads they are they have some of the best names in the world in fact if you look at the top 8 in the world they have four chinese if you look at top 11 they have five chinese so that is like almost 50% of the top 10 now if you look at the other section which is the open section there if you see that ding is at number 3 the number the next chinese is at 21 yu yang he is rated uh, is ranked 21 now that gives you an idea that look in chinese men's team you don't have so much or the chinese men also one of the reason is that they don't take part in so many tournaments they don't travel out of the country for so many tournaments that's one of the reasons if they open the floodgates probably you will see that there'll be half a dozen chinese in the top 20 that is the kind of talent they have but then we don't get to see that very often because they have very limited participation now with uh, dengleren being there that is going to help them yes but then at the same time you don't see the chinese uh, approach changing they are not going to flood you know players uh, i mean their players into various tournaments like we do like in india there's a lot of support a lot of sponsorship for these children once they are labeled as talented some people or the other of course the parents go out of their way to support the kids this we don't see in any other country so yes when you look at the chinese male uh, chess or the you know the the kind of boys which they have from there i think they are immensely talented but they don't participate as much so that's why in the world rankings you don't see so many chinese right i mean that that gives a very real uh, perspective on on what happening with the chinese uh, players i mean one they as you said they they train in a group so it's a different experience of uh, grooming talent going on over there compared to the rest of the world and they don't travel so much but tend to play among themselves much more which is why we don't see them in the top uh, rankings maybe if they do start traveling a lot more maybe we will see i don't know we will see a scenario like in badminton or in table tennis <laughs> with a lot of chinese players coming in and dominating right so uh, rakit moving on to uh, another another angle on this entire uh, world chess title i mean magnus carlsen who was defending champion who refused to defend his sort of def- won it five times when when he announced that he's not going to defend his title he said that he may consider defending it only if his challenger happened to be ali reza firuza an iranian french chess prodigy i'm just curious i thought i, I should ask you about this what is so special about uh this player ali roza firuja i mean that carlson seems to deem only him as a worthy opponent for a world championship what's so special about this guy see carlson has i think maintained this more than once i mean he's just i mean he has said it so often that look among the new lot he is the boy to watch out for suddenly carlson sounds as though he belongs to a different kind of like generation because if he's 30 you know ali reza is going to be 20 next month so that 10 year difference suddenly makes him uh, you know i mean carlson is looking at these kids as that as though they belong to the next generation of course he's right in, in a way but then i think what he has done is that he has beaten all the guys so convincingly and he's looking at the challenges from the next uh, lot and that is where he rates uh, alireza as as a strongest and of course he went on to become world number 2 at one point and all these kids if you see you know ali reza 
because he has also written that you know that this guy in 2021 if you look at him Firoja was one of the strongest players overall i mean he was beating some of the top 10 guys very easily although he didn't get as many opportunities but once he broke into the top 10 became the top 5 top 2 then suddenly the world saw that okay here he is that he is being very consistent now the only thing about firoja is that he wins a lot of games but also loses a lot now for example ding liren for one year from 20, uh, 2017 to 2018 i recall he had a 100 game streak without losing one now ali reza and all may not have that kind of consistency but he has the game he has the sharpness so that is i think probably what carlson liked because carlson would like to be challenged because he is bored of beating all the big guys because there's such a huge difference between the first and the second and the third if you look at the world championship uh, you know like i mean all these things right from 2013 right from the day he beat anand in chennai till this day as long as he held that uh, world title he was winning it like with ease although we can just go back and say that caruana did make it a little difficult for him but then he was never stretched so he wants to be challenged and i think he sees that challenger only in alireza but for that to happen alireza will have to now come and be you know he he has to be the world champion for carlsen to return as a challenger and then face each other now that is not going to happen in a hurry because uh, you don't have carlsen as a world champion right i mean so we'll have to wait and see if alireza ends up uh... uh that's end up becoming the world champion for the for the sake of uh, Carlson and the rest of uh, chess fans all over the world because it should be uh, a match to watch out for now we have uh, this new world champion who's from asia and from china rather than the western world is uh, does, does this have any particular kind of significance uh, do you think rakesh given that it's very few champions have been from asia we only have anand and then ding See, if you look at the, these seventeen champions, most of them were from the Soviet bloc. From Asia, of course, as you very rightly said, is only the second champion. Then again, you know, see, the world doesn't look at him as the strongest player in the world. I remember when Anand became the world champion in two thousand. People said, "Oh, he hasn't won the classical version." There are two guys because at the same time, Gary Kasparov, who had you know, uh, he had uh, like. Magnus Carlsen had decided not to play in the World Championship. He said I need a challenger. So finally there was a match that was arranged between Kramnik and and uh, Kasparov and at the same time Anand was playing here uh, for the world title in a 128 player knockout format. So when Anand became the undisputed world champion I mean he was supposed to be the FIDE world champion nobody took him seriously. in the sense that they said okay but two better players were already playing so dengleren is likely to have that thing that okay he's an asian all right but he is not the strongest in the world now i'm i'm drawing a parallel with anand because anand went through the same emotions people not taking him to be the world champion when he held the world crown now anand it took him uh, until 2007 when he won the title again for the second time then again people said oh he has won a round robin tournament so anand had won the world title in two different f- formats that is the knockout and the round robin but he hadn't won it in a match so only after 2008 which was anand's third crown when he beat kramnik that people took him seriously and the entire argument ended that okay now he is the undisputed world champion 
Now for Ding Liren, that is not going to happen in a hurry because as long as Carlson is playing, unless he beats Carlson, nobody is going to take this one as the strongest player in the world. And that is what Ding Liren wants to be. Because these world crowns are all fine, 1.1 million dollars in your account, that is all fine. But the point is, chess world looks at the champions a little differently. It is not about uh, you winning it. It is like, are you the strongest in the world? And that doesn't happen. In, if you look at any sport, the strongest player may not be your world champion. So here, Ding Liren being an Asian, it is good for Asian, but in the chess world, it's it's not of any great significance, whether you are from India or, or this thing, because everybody is looking at whether you are the world champion or not. Yes, you are. So that is where the thing ends. And of course, Ding Liren has been around to, for a bit. He, he and uh, people remember him as a very consistent player. He has also beaten Magnus a few times. So that is all fine. But we are here talking about world crown. And that is, that is now, you know, like Liren's, but he is not the strongest in the world. So that is where I think chess world will always add that because Anand suffered because of the same logic. Everybody said, okay, he is the world champion, but he's not the strongest. But this, but the same argument doesn't hold good in any of the other uh, games. And that is what I feel that that has been very unfair to the champion because Ding Liren didn't choose his rival. He was given what he was given and he won it. So I'll actually go with uh, Ding Liren. Nothing to take anything away from him. He is the current world champion. Just salute the champion. That's it. Right, right. Uh, Rakesh, so you made a very interesting parallel uh, here. I mean, the last time Asia produced a champion, it was Anand and they had this entire thing about he's not really the world, the, the top player because, of course, he has not won against Gary Kasparov or whoever is, uh, was considered the top player in a match. And now we have another champion from Asia and we have the same uh, kind of a scenario. It's, uh, they say that okay, you are the world champion, but you are not the best player in the world. But because uh, you haven't beaten Carlson in a match. But Sampath, see, this doesn't happen in any other game. You know, if you just see it, it doesn't happen in any other game. Be it badminton, table tennis, golf. Nobody says if you are the best in the world, you are the best in the world. But if you win any of the major events, you are still respected. But here, if it is discounted, then that has something to do with the with the psyche of the chess world. I think outside the chess world, you'll still get the same respect. Right, but is it is it only the psyche of the chess world, or is it? Do you think it has something to do with the rating system? Because nobody's uh, rating points is as high as Carlson's right now, right? Even you, UBMD, he might be the world champion, but Carlson's ratings are like 75, 80 points more. Sampath, I agree, but then at the same time, what if the highest ranked player is not the world champion? What happens? Suppose he tries to win it here. Of course, Carlson has chosen to stay away. What if he had to play and lose? Would you still say that, no, Carlson is still the world champion or because he, he has the highest rating? That doesn't work. If you play the world championship, you have to win it. Just because you are rated higher doesn't give you any, any extra, you know, like you, you can't actually leverage it at any point. So, so we have this slight double standard somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, this does seem to be a little bit unique to chess because even in other sports, for instance, uh, where somebody may not be the world champion, but then you have something like the Olympics, uh, where you become an Olympic champion and that gives you an added uh, layer of, uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's, there's another sort of... Sampath, yeah. And again, if you if you remember, we have had an un, unseeded player winning the World Badminton Championship. How about that? 
you know i mean a person who's not even ranked among the top 8 or top 16 he goes on to win it so what i'm trying to say is sports has its uh, you know i mean the sports has its ways of surprising you so why should you know if it was so certain that the strongest player or the top seed had to win the tournament you might as well not have a tournament just see the right you know just see the rating and give the top prize to him because you are the strongest on that list but then sports is sports it it has a way of surprising people and i think we have to learn to accept a champion because the champion doesn't choose his opponent he has no right that's the way it's, it, it's actually designed yeah Yes, absolutely, Rakesh. I mean, uh, chess is unique in this respect, and we've had these kinds of situations before, where the world champion is not necessarily considered as the best player. But then we do have a new champion now in Dinglirian. He's an exciting player to watch. I mean, he's far more vulnerable. He makes mistakes, but he also wins a lot more. And it's not the usual kind of you know draw-driven kind of an approach to chess that we've seen from him. So thank you so much for joining us Rakesh and for sharing your uh, tremendous insights and thoughts on this latest matchup and uh, the development in the chess world in general thank you so much thank you so much sampat for for you know like having me on this show it was an absolute pleasure thank you in focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues in the meantime you can find our podcast on spotify Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.